Tom Bernard show with Andy Brand Bernard. And everybody else is either in Phoenix or everybody's scattered all over the country. Andy and I are the only ones in the Minneapolis studio. But a lot of guests coming up today, so matter of fact, uh, former governor and maybe soon to be governor again, Tim Pawlenty will join us in the second hour. Uh, yeah, a number of guests today, as a matter of fact. We'll be right back, kick things off, Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, that works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive continues to grow. They think it's because of their upfront pricing, no haggle or hassle sales experience, And working with one person from start to finish. I think we all know it's because of the loyal podcast listeners. I've said it a million times before. I won't endorse a company that I don't believe in, and Walzer's no exception. I've bought several cars from them, as has my family. I know what you're thinking. Tommy got some special deal. Well, the truth is we paid the Walzer best price just like everyone else. Walzer will sell about 35,000 cars this year, and you can't do that if your prices aren't great. Do yourself a favor. When it's time to shop for a new or used car, go to walzer.com and give them a shot. You won't be sorry. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard Show. Just Andy and me. Uh, you know, the people who do all the work anyway. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, Catherine and Alex are out visiting uh, Catherine's parents in, uh, in Arizona. And, uh, you know, uh, what are you going to do? America's darling Taylor Swift is having a hard time selling tickets for her upcoming Reputation Tour. It's pretty shocking, and even some ticket vendors have expressed concern over her seemingly dwindling popularity. Uh, Her tour begins early next month, and with mere weeks until the kickoff, it's not looking good. Ticketmaster's already slashed its prices by 19% and is promoting a tax day special, which is pretty ironic because there's a 0% chance that most of Taylor Swift's fans pay any taxes at all. That's cold. I mean, because they're so young. Well, yeah, they're all children. I see. To put things into perspective, not one venue has sold out yet. Not one. And the tour kicks off in three weeks. Some tickets are selling for $66, which is not good. And to make things worse, Taylor Swift fans who already bought concert tickets are pretty bummed that they missed out on the promotions. One went as far as calling the promotion a scam. Uh, Not good for Taylor. Not good at all. This might just be the beginning of the end. A few months back, uh, this woman, uh, Jenna Green, wrote about a similar thing that happened to Katy Perry. She was having such a hard time selling tickets to her abysmal Witness the Tour tour, that she actually started selling them on Groupon. That's Mm. right, Groupon. Listen, I'm I'm not on Team Taylor, and I'm not on Team Katy. I think both of them are vastly overrated and little more than outlets for people to channel their inner broken-hearted teenager, uh, teenage rage into. Most of the time, I don't have a problem with Taylor when she keeps her mouth shut. But when she cherry-picks drama and tries to get good PR by playing the victim, it crosses a line for me. So Taylor's got two options here. She can either take her dwindling popularity with grace or she can play up the sadness of it and lean in, maybe write a song about it. My son, uh, my money's on her choosing the latter, but she could surprise us. I guess we'll just have to wait a few weeks to find out. Um, I don't know anything about these these situations. I mean, Taylor Swift and Katy Perry and all the rest of it. Um, 
Britney Spears, is she, does she still tour? I assume she still tours. I don't, I didn't think so, but well, she doesn't she anymore. Does. I mean, I didn't, let's see, uh, she's still doing stuff, I guess. Well, I mean, not, she's not doing stadiums anymore with any of that stuff, right? She's not doing uh, you know, like basketball or hockey stadiums, is she? Stub Hub. I have no idea what. Well, I, She'll I, be at the theater at MGM, Mohegan Sun Arena, Borgata Event Center. I don't know if you've oh, heard of any of these places. Yeah, she's doing a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of Native American venues. Hard Rock Event Center, Radio that's, City Music Hall. Oh, she's doing Radio City Music Hall though, so that's pretty good. Yeah, so she's touring. I don't know what she's doing. I mean, she's, I didn't even know she was still like you know making songs. But yeah, I think you're talking about. 1,500 to 2,000 seat venues rather than 20,000 seat venues or 30,000 seat venues, something like that. I'm, I'm, I suppose people like that only go so long uh, being popular and then it kind of, I would imagine it does hit the wall because your fans grow older and you go, eh, I don't really want to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to deal with it. So I assume that's what's happening to, to Taylor Swift and Katy Perry is that they're their fans got older, and they've got all their music, and there's nothing new to buy, and so good. You know, Joe Rogan destroyed Hollywood hypocrites on guns in an awesome rant. Mm. Joe Rogan can go on a rant. I do know that. Yes, he can. We know that. Joe Rogan lit into Hollywood over its hypocrisy with guns, and it's a must-listen for anybody who appreciates honesty and common sense. Re Rogan recently told Colion Noir... Who's Colion Noir, or is that a magazine? I have no idea. It's something. No one is more anti-gun than Hollywood. When you hear about uh, any sort of crime or violence, the left-wing people in Hollywood are the most vocal, the most virtue-signaling, the quickest to jump on their pedestal. Meanwhile, what percentage of their effing movies involve gun violence? And if you look at the Academy Awards, did you see the security at the Academy Awards? All these left-leaning liberal actors being protected by people with flak jackets on, carrying guns with fingers outside the triggers. I mean, dogs. It's crazy. Mm. Isn't he, uh, like, 60? He's not young. Well, I mean, dogs. Well, he's got a point, though. I do, I agree, you know, Joe Rogan and I don't... Well, yeah, Hollywood can... Uh pump out some hypocrisy that's for sure no doubt doesn't get more refreshing than rogan's words Is there any word he spoke that isn't entirely accurate and true no he's what he said is absolutely true 100 percent true hollywood is so eager to take your guns away but they have no problem making millions of dollars from violent movies one example of that is liam neeson he went after america oh my god the gun yeah. problem in america is just horrible it's just horrendous and yet he's made millions of american dollars in gun movies so, oh, but that's just make believe. You know, stupid people get influenced by movies. Oh yeah. Uh, in a way that they feel they're real. I, I guess is the best way to put it. That that whole idea that we're all the same and we're all alike. We are not all the same. We are not all alike. There are some people out there that are not bright enough to figure out that the things that go on in movies aren't real, and you shouldn't do them yourself in reality. I don't, you know, you, you just can't assume that everybody is, uh, is as intelligent as the next person because it's not true. So you going and doing movie after movie after movie about shooting people in the face with pistols or whatever, and then you start bitching about gun violence in America? Are you kidding me? Uh, no, look, I'm not hanging this on all actors saying, hey, it's your fault, uh, the school shootings and all the rest of it, because I think, Andy, you're the one who told me, that 16 out of the 17 households of the, the school shooters, there's no father present in the house. Yep. 16 out of 17, if you can believe that. So I just, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, Joe from Louisville just said, what about John Wick? He has a little gun violence in John Wick. You can, you can find a little, uh, yeah, a little uh, gun violence in your John Wick and John Wick Part 2. And... I did like those movies, though. But see, uh, even though I, I have concealed carry permit and I carry a gun most of the time, I've never pulled a gun on anyone. I've had, never had to take, a, take the gun out of my pocket or out of a holster. I've never aimed a gun at anyone. But, you know, even though I might not be the brightest guy in the world, I'm not stupid enough to try to emulate a movie star in some fake-ass movie. 
But, you know, I'm sorry. A lot of it's the movies. A lot of it's... There's a lot of violence, in, like gangster rap. Is there still such a thing as gangster rap, or is that... I don't think it's as popular as it used to be. Because that was all about shooting and killing people, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And we, you would have young people emulating that behavior. Oh, this is really cool. You go out and shoot people. Yeah, great. That's really, really good. Really nice. It makes no sense whatsoever. But So, look, I agree with Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's right on the money that the, that the far left... Uh, they're the first ones to, to get the flak-jacket-wearing uh, flak uh, gun-toting security guard to help them, keep them safe. But you and I shouldn't have that kind of thing. No, they're, they're special somehow. I don't know what the situation is there. Um, I think it was on this show yesterday that I ran into that story about the fact that, that Fox is, is uh, beating CNN and MSNBC. It was on this show, wasn't it? Uh, yes. It's up where... Yeah, they... Uh, Somewhere. Yeah, it's well, up. there's... No, wait. That's different. CNN and Fox 1. I <laughs> got different ones now. I just don't understand how they could... They, they, they were talking over and over and over just less than a week ago about how CNN is just crushing everybody. Well, there's this. This is Laura Ingram. Yeah, got that, double the viewers of Don Lemon. And there was a big boycott. Yeah, bring that story up, will you? Because they boycotted her. Well, I don't what happened was David Hogg, <coughs> um, one of the Parkland shooter guys uh he tweeted that all of his followers should boycott her but right, none of right. his tweeters or his twitter followers were going to be watching her anyway so no, i wouldn't think so i don't know if it was really even a boycott per se anti-gun activists organized a boycott against laura ingram's fox news show but new ratings show that the american people aren't buying it Adweek reports that on tuesday night ingram had 2.425 million total viewers Meanwhile, CNN's Don Lemon had 1,018,000. So she, I can't say she almost, she did, she did 250% of what he did. But I would say that Don Lemon is terrible. I'm sorry, but he's way over that. And I don't watch Laura Ingram, so I don't know if she's any good or not. Have you ever seen her show, Andy? No. I don't I, even, I'm, oh, she's on Fox? Well, yeah. then I can't watch her show, can I? Why not? Because I don't have a TV. Well, that's right, you don't have a TV. Nope. I keep forgetting you don't even have a TV. But in any case, so uh, that boycott actually helped her ratings. Her viewership is up by 20%. That's why you've got to be kind of careful with this. Oh, we're going to boycott this or we're going we're gonna to march against this. You sometimes make things a lot more popular than they really are by bringing attention to them. You know, it appears that's what happened here. They were talking for a long time about how... Uh, how uh, Hannity was getting crushed, but we looked at those numbers. And again, I don't watch Fox News. I don't watch CNN. I watch I watch SC Cup on HLN once in a while. I, I don't mind Anderson Cooper, but he get he's been getting a little odd lately too. With I don't know, he's been getting very political too. I I don't know. I just can't watch those news shows. It's, it's too depressing. Whether it's Fox or CNN. No matter which side you're taking, it's too depressing to watch that stuff. I like to just you know, kind of hang on and take a good, clean breath once in a while instead of just ranting and raving constantly. And those things we brought up yesterday where Christians are racist. Mm. You said that about any other religion. Yeah. And look, I'm not a religious guy, so you know, don't say, oh, you just defend. I'm not religious, so I, I don't know what to tell you. Um but you're go you've gone that far to damn and condemn. How many Christians are there in the world? There's got to be several um, million. I would not be surprised if it's over a billion. Yeah, but I, you, you're probably right. It could be over a billion people. Uh, two point two billion. Two point two people are Christian in the world. Uh, well, yeah, two point two billion. Two point two billion. Yes. So, so a third of the Earth's population, about almost, I would say, yeah, probably about twenty eight percent of the world's <laughs> population is Christian. Well, what people don't realize is that Africa is like super Christian. Yeah, it is. So you know that entire enormous continent uh, that helps. It's kind and of then, difficult to be to be racist Christians when you're black, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and then South America is also very very Christian. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah, it's basically, I don't know, people view it because it, their parents are Christian, I think, is the problem. They view it as like the old white people 
uh, yeah, I think they religion, do. I even think though right. it's every race really, except it's not very popular among most Asians, although there are some places in Southeast Asia which are Christian. Is that mostly Buddhist and Hindu? Uh, Japan is Shinto yeah, and Buddhist. Shinto, yeah, Shinto, yeah. Um, I think China is uh, Confucianism or whatever. It, yeah, right, right. So basically, the the religion that has the most diversity is Christianity. Correct. Yeah, I would argue. I mean, you have Africans, you have South Americans, the Brazilians, whatever the situation is. You have white people. You, have, I mean, Christian has the most diversity of any religion on earth, and yet you somehow condemn it and say that they're a racist. How do you even come up with ideas like that? By having no scope beyond your own life. I guess. I mean, wouldn't you want to do a little research before you make some idiotic statement like that? And again, I'm not a religious person, so I'm not defending anybody's religion against anything. I'm just saying it's an ignorant comment to make. It's really a stupid thing to say. Condemning 2.2 billion people because they're Christian? Mm -hmm. Are you out of your mind? Yet, if somebody was pissed off after, uh, you know, 9-11, they're pissed off at at the Muslim world. Oh, you can't do that. It's not their fault. It's just... So you condemn all Christians, but nobody else. It just makes no sense to me. Do you think a lot of that is mommy and daddy were mean to me when I was little, and therefore I have to... The world has to pay because mommy and daddy didn't pay enough attention to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at what they hate, they hate Christianity. They hate older white people. Yep. Um, authority, people with more money than them. It's all just about their parents. Yeah. I mean, I it is. I, I it's got to be. It has to be all about their parents, and that's why they're. You know, I never viewed Toots in that manner. I'd like to hurt Toots with my comments if I possibly could. That never occurred to me. I got along pretty well with Toots, my mother. So, you know, it's eh, whatever. Uh, there's a great story we're going to have to get to later because we have a guest coming up uh, in just a couple of minutes here. But there's that story about the kid that was passing out the uh, anti-capitalist oh. flyers. Mm-hmm. That's pretty hilarious, actually. Shut down capitalism. He's passing out shut down capitalism flyers. We'll get to that one. We'll be back. We have a special guest up next, Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with the client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Did you know that 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years. But did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed. And I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so called up the folks at Whiting Clinic, and they helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery and clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to reserve today. Space is limited, so don't delay. That's 855-555-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. I'm going to be doing some editing after this, that's for sure. You are, why? Because there's a lot of pauses. It'll be fine. Don't worry about a thing, ladies and gentlemen. Molina is in New York. He usually does the music and all that stuff. It's just Andy. Literally, Catherine's gone. Alex is gone. Molina's gone. Everybody's gone. Yep. Except for you and me holding down the fort. Um, did you text Cassie? I did. Okay. She usually gets right back to you, doesn't she? I think so. Okay. You have the information on Louis' book signing 
It is uh, it's when? It's the 21st, so in two days. So it's coming up on Friday, on Saturday, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Noon to 2 at the East Rotunda in the Mall of America. On, on, on Saturday, noon to 2, Mall of America, East Rotunda, Louie's new book. Hey, Mom. Hey, Mom, which uh, we've had him on this show talking about and had him on the KQ morning mm-hmm. show as well. He'll be doing a book signing. Louis doing that's his fourth book. His books do well, too, as a matter of fact. His books, uh, you know, he had one Dear Dad. He had one F is for Family. I mean, he's had his books have done very, very well because I think they're very honest books. The way he writes them, they just tend to be straight ahead and pretty honest books. Uh, he's kind of not all that happy with his relationship with his father. That's why he wrote Dear Dad. But he loved his mother deeply. But with 11 kids, how much time do you get? Her kid from your mother. So yeah. uh, I think that book is pretty much a situation where it's like, Mom, I hope I did a, a, a good enough job, you know, being a being a good son to you. So uh, Saturday, what is it, noon to 2, you said? Yes. Saturday, noon to 2, the East Rotunda at Mall of America. Louis Anderson in town to do a book signing. It was very good. Mm-hmm. And I... Got the last phone number of the guest. I mean, the last digit of the guest's phone number. Let me so. guess, is it a four? Uh, yes. I knew it. All right, yeah, give him a so call if you want. Yeah, you know, no, I understand. I, I understand why you wouldn't want to do that. But in any case, if you've uh, if you've never had a conversation with Louis, it's a good it's a good thing. Uh, go out there and see him at his book signing. You'll enjoy just schmoozing with him a little bit. He's very good at that. A student got $30,000 Wednesday after passing out shutdown capitalism flyers on an Illinois college campus. Joliet Junior College settled a lawsuit with student Yvette Salazar after having detained the student for passing out paraphernalia associated with the Party for Socialism and Liberation, or PISL, as I call it, reported the Foundation for Individual Rights in, uh, in Education. Now, that's the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, or FIRE. FIRE, a free speech nonprofit, helped litigate Salazar's case. Yvette is an extraordinary young woman who had the fortitude and determination to stand up for her First Amendment rights, as well as the First Amendment rights of all students at Joliet Junior College. Poltrock and Giampietro, lawyer uh, Wayne Giampietro, who also represented the student, said she is an example of the growing awareness of those in her generation that stand up to government misdeeds and improprieties is necessarily aspect of citizenship. Joliet Junior College detained Salazar in November 2017 for passing out flyers reading, shut down capitalism. Well, wouldn't the money she received be part of capitalism? I think that's how it works. I mean, if you if you sue someone and you get money, it's... Why, why didn't she turn the money down? I guess that's what I don't understand. Because college students are all hypocrites and actually don't believe anything. A lot of them are. Not all of them. It's like it's going like when L.A. Nick went after college professors yesterday, mm-hmm. and, of course, almost everybody in Doug Sprinthal's family is a college professor. <laughs> I'm not happy about that. Yeah, he had a look at his face like, oh, really? Uh, in addition to giving Salazar $30,000 for damages and attorney costs, the college changed its free expression policy, which previously confined expression to a tiny indoor section of campus. Joliet Jr. based its new policy on one adopted by the University of Chicago, which allows expressive activity anywhere on campus, bound only by constitutional time, manner, and place limits. Thanks to a vet, students at Joliet Junior College can peacefully exercise their First Amendment rights without having to fear being interrogated by campus police. Fire Director of Litigation Marik Tuthill Beck-Kuhn said, We hope this uh, case serves as an example to public colleges across the country, and we commend JJC for acting quickly to restore free speech on its campus. Okay, so I have a question for you. If we're going to restore free speech, are you going to stop protesting some speakers on your campus? No. No. That's not what they mean by free speech. They so, mean their free speech. So you can shut down free speech on your campus because you don't happen to agree with that free speech. But in other cases like shut down capitalism, which is fine. I don't care what, you know, you carry around all that shut down capitalism uh, banners that you want. I just don't understand how you can be such a hypocrite, and it's okay to shut down one one form of speech but not another. Free speech is free speech, isn't it? Uh, kids are 
dumb. I don't know. Uh, did, you, did you try our guess? Yes, the number doesn't seem to be the correct one. Oh, so well, that's not good news, yeah. no, is it? Um, Maybe on the third part. I guess we'll see. Yeah, we could we could do that. Yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. Uh, yeah, the, a number we got for our, our, our guest. It's a good guest, too, actually. Uh, hopefully you can get the right number. Uh, no chance they're calling in, right? Uh, correct. Unless they're listening. But... Uh, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. That is true. Uh, the United Kingdom has become the first country to ban use of plastic straws completely. I have seen a lot of places that I've gone recently, started they, they've started using uh, paper straws. When I was a kid, straws were paper. I do remember that. Wouldn't they, like, you know, disintegrate? They don't because I don't know how they make them, but uh, they do a good job and they do not disintegrate. Matter of fact, they don't absorb moisture at all so i don't know what they do but uh, they do a good job with it they work really well the uk will become the first country to ban plastic straws in hopes of saving the environment from plastic waste uk prime minister Theresa may announced wednesday uh, to criminalize the use of all plastic waste by 2042 the ban includes stirrers and cotton swabs two of the major causes of uh, environmental disaster i thought cotton swabs were paper uh, some brands are, some brands are plastic. Oh, some are plastic. Yeah. Plastic waste is one of the greatest environmental challenges facing the world. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, plastic waste is not good for anybody or anything. Which is why protecting the marine environment is central to our agenda at the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting, May said in the statement announcing the ban. In England it has already uh, foisted excessive fees on plastic bags in the name of protecting the climate. London, for its part, has also taken part in the campaign to ban items deemed too dangerous for use. London Mayor Sadiq Khan cracked down in March on knife-carrying citizens in response to a spate of stabbings that pushed the city's murder rate past New York for the first time in modern history, which is pretty amazing. Khan's crusade against knives is in keeping with London's belligerent position on weapons, and it does say belligerent position. The city has long mandated, for instance, strict licensing rules for shotguns and rifles and has effectively banned handgun ownership. Khan deployed an additional 300 Metropolitan Police officers over the weekend to work exclusively against knife crime, urging them to be more confident in their authority to stop anyone suspected of carrying a weapon. How did they go so quickly from banning plastic straws to knives? I don't to know. knives. I don't really understand. Well, the UK's been pushing pretty hard to ban a lot of things lately. What else have they banned? Well, their um, their crime rate is so high that they're just they're responding to it the wrong way and trying to just ban everything dangerous. Which, well, who is uh, perpetrating the crime? Yeah, that's the thing. It's a lot of um, it's a lot of refugee on refugee crime. Oh, that's what it is. Refugee but, on refugee. Yeah, but they just they don't report that part they just report crime yeah, so people is, freak out and do things like that i really wish they wouldn't do that they don't serve anybody uh well by doing that by not bringing up who's no. perpetrating crimes against whom because not only the refugees the ones that are perpetrating the crimes the refugees are the victims of the crimes so you might want to help them out by pointing that out that'd be i think that'd be a good idea help out the ref refugees that are being victimized by their own people just a thought, right? Khan mm -hmm. deployed an additional 300 Metropolitan Police officers over the weekend to work exclusively against knife crime, urging them to be more confident in their authority to stop anyone suspected of carrying a weapon. Local officials in the U.S. have also considered banning straws. Three, oh, we're back to straws. We went from straws to knives, back to straws. Apparently they're coated in wax, so that makes sense. Ah, uh, the paper straws? Yeah. Yeah, but the wax... It's not harmful in any way, shape, or form. It's well, not. No, wax is just. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really even. I've never really thought about it. I don't know where wax comes from. I mean, I know there's like plants that excrete it, but I doubt we're, you know. Well, there's beeswax. There is beeswax. Is that what we use for I, most wax? That I have no idea. I have no idea what kind of. What we use for. You don't see wax much, around much anymore anyway. It's not that popular anymore. Well, I mean, plastic does the same thing, but better. But now everyone. Is anti-plastic because for yeah. some reason we invented all these plastic things, but not a way to recycle them. Like, why don't we just recycle plastic straws? But 
for I some reason, know. we can't. Yeah, they don't. They will not. Matter of fact, if you put plastic straws in recycling, they'll just throw them away. Yep. And there are ways to um, recycle any kind of plastic. They're just not doing it. Well, they have that new enzyme that eats plastic, so or at least breaks it down. I don't know if it, I should say it eats it, but that's the way it was written up. But it does break plastic down, so we'll make some headway against all that. Yeah. Um, local officials in the U.S. have also considered banning straws. Three members of Berkeley City Council in California proposed legislation in the final week of May that would ban plastic straws, reported KPIX. The city has previously banned plastic bags and placed an extra tax on soda. Yeah, I really, you know, like, I, I'm having a Diet Coke right now. I don't really understand why they only sell it in plastic bottles now. Is it, is it a lot cheaper for them? Uh, yeah. Well, it's lighter. Well, but the thing about it is, when I was a kid, you would recycle glass bottles. So you would reuse the bottle over and over and over again. You can't do that with plastic. And I never did understand. I, I There's got to be a great benefit to uh, the purveyors of the sodas to use plastic instead of glass. But it would it would seem to me that using glass would be a much smarter way to go. I was, like you said, I think you used to get three cents per bottle when you'd re- recycle bottles. You go in, give them a, a case of bottles, you could walk away with 72 cents. The uh-huh. pro- problem with glass bottles is they're very, very heavy, which means they higher are. shipping costs. And, you know, if, yeah, you, I suppose that's true. if you give any business a choice, they're going to use anything but glass because it's just, you know, that's a lot of fuel. I suppose that is true. But it's too bad. It worked. Who do we have? We have our guest. Oh, did he call in? Yes. Does he have, uh, Chris, how are you? Good. Good. We had a little confusion with your phone number, apparently. Okay. I don't, I don't know what that's all about. But um, do you have, because uh, we're going to go to break, we're going to go to break in about two minutes. Do you have uh, 15, 16 minutes to spend with us? How much time do you have? An hour. You have an oh, entire think... hour? Well, that's pretty good. Yep. <laughs> Where are you? Have from? you guys had a chance to review the material? Yes. I'm, as a matter of fact, I looked at it. Uh, okay. So I just want to make. Do you mind if I just make a quick point? Fifteen no, seconds. Sure. Absolutely. Do what. Do what okay, you need to the, do. The reason the Bundy trial got thrown out of federal court about four months ago is they found one of the BLM agents with a kill book and a suicide list. We have four dead bodies. Four people have committed suicide. So that's one of our focuses. In the, in the show, so I want to let you know it's a serious, um, you know, I have a story to tell, and I wrote the book for one reason, because people are killing themselves after being approached by Bureau of Land Management agents that hold guns to your head. Really? Yeah. Um, one thing about this show, Chris, is I don't really try to form any opinion on uh, the opinions of our guests. I sit and I listen, I ask questions. So do you, do some people interview you and they start going off in tangents about your material? Do people do that? Well, some, some hosts don't even read any background and they get on and think I'm going to talk about the Battle of the Little Bighorn. So. <laughs> well, that's not what it says, though. It says no, here. I, I, I know. I've done 52 shows in the last year <laughs> and uh, I just, you know, the bottom line is we want to educate the public about the deep state and about what the Bureau of Land Management's all about. That's kind of what my book's about. Yeah, well, that makes sense to me because, uh, you know, I'm looking at the material right now. As a matter of fact, my son just popped it up on my screen, so I'm looking at it again, and I don't see it's very clear what it's all about to me. Good. And well, I think that's it, great. I think it's a fascinating story, and I don't think people know this kind of thing's going on at all. Exactly. I mean, basically what's going on with Mueller and McCabe and the FBI and Trump is exactly what happened to me, but it doesn't get any attention. I mean, they said, oh, my God, Cohen just got raided by the FBI, and, the, and, and they came in with a no-knock warrant, and they lied to get the, the application for search warrant. That goes on every day in the United States. It you does, just don't yeah. hear about it. Yeah, it does. Chris, I'm going to take a very quick break, just about two minutes. We'll come back, and then we're going to talk all about Arrow to the Heart right after this, our special guest. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Back in two minutes, Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about MyPillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first MyPillow, and I love it. 
is very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night, fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Bernard Show, our very special guest, Chris Cortlander. Uh, the book is called Arrow to the Heart, The Last Battle at the Little Bighorn, the Custer Battlefield Museum versus the Federal Government. I don't know how any host could read that and think this is about the battle of the Little Bighorn. <laughs> but, Chris, nothing surprises me anymore. Where, how, how did you get involved in the first place? Are you from that area? No, actually born and raised in Malibu, California. Um, in 1993, I came to Montana and saw um, somebody brought me down to this small spot in the road called Gary Owen. And I saw a tomb of a United States unknown soldier that was not marked um, and about four tons worth of trash. And me being in the history business, uh, I was uh, buying and selling historical artifacts to museums. Actually, Gene Autry, the singing cowboy, was my first client when he was building his museum at Griffith Park. That's kind of what got me in the collectible uh, field and, and buying and selling uh, historical um, documents and paintings. And then uh, I decided to do a, um, a purchase, uh, buy, sell, it was for sale. And so I, I tied it up being 30 years old back then, almost 25 years ago. Um, I signed an option to purchase the property. I went back to Malibu and I lost my house and my collection in the Malibu fire of 1993 oh, when 351 homes burned up in one day. So the project I was going to flip to somebody else, I ended up doing myself. So I came to Montana, came to Gary Owen, built the Custer Battlefield Museum back in 93 and 94. Do you think people know what actually did happen at Little Bighorn? They think they know. They think they know. But do most people even know what really did happen, how it happened? Uh, well, one of my arguments is I think that this is probably one of the most racially charged pieces of real estate right. in America where the government came to basically kill in, uh, Native Americans. And so I felt a duty to educate the public on both sides, the government and the Native American side, and that's what we've been doing um, for the last 25 years. But basically, uh, the government came here to round up the Indians to put them on a reservation in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and we all know how it turned out. Yeah, we all. Well, I hope we all know how it turned out. In any case, yeah. so so the timing of the of losing your house and all the rest of it. You, I mean, obviously, you don't look at, at it as fortuitous, but. It's kind of interesting how that happened. It was kind of like... It's very interesting. It really is. But You go back, you've lost everything. Uh, so now, well, maybe I need to turn around and go back to Gary Owen. Uh, how do you buy a town, by the way? I mean, who do you buy a town from? You know, I get asked that all the time. And actually, there's other towns in America that are privately owned. Uh, my short answer is you get out your checkbook and you write the check. 
Um, that's how you buy a town. And the reason why this is technically a town in Montana is because we have our own zip code. And we have a small post office here. So that's really what puts us on the map. Let me give um, your listeners a little bit of historical background really quick. Sure. Gary Owen is not a person. Gary Owen is a song. <laughs> and this is, where this, this is where the bugle played the Gary Owen march that started the Battle of the Little Bighorn. And when the railroad came through in 1893, Buffalo Bill was asked by the railroad to name these railroad stops. And he gave this location the name of Gary Owen for the 7th Cavalry Fighting Song. And by the way, that's the official song of the 7th Cavalry today at Fort Hood. Do, do, do people think it's named after the announcer on Laugh-In? No, actually, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I shared an office with the former president of CBS Television. Oh, okay. And one of his good friends was Gary Owen. So I asked <laughs> if we could have lunch with him after I bought the town. So we went to the Sportsman's Lodge in Encino, California, and I met Gary Owen. Um, he was given his radio name um, from his radio station manager in North Dakota in 1954. Because he was a Custer aficionado. Really? So he gave him his radio name, Gary Owen, named after this town. That's oh. phenomenal. So his real name isn't Gary Owen, then? No. Oh, that's a great story, actually. See, that? there you go, Chris. See, you there's a radio story for you. It's <laughs> a great radio story. Let's see, his real yeah. name. Let's see. And he's going to look for that. Yeah. I think it's... Yeah. Well, it might take he a was while. The, Go ahead. No, it's, it's, it might take a while. Yeah, it might have taken... I was just going to say, he was also the radio announcer for Rosie O'Donnell's show. Um, oh, right. We all know who Gary Owen was on Rowan and Martin Laughing. Yep. The fellow that held his ear and said, this is Gary Owen. That is exactly right. You, um... Gary Bernard Altman. Altman. So yeah. his name was Gary. So that's something. Gary Altman to Gary yeah. Owen. Yes. Hey, whatever works. Uh... I'm reading here, Chris, that uh, you're a former law enforcement officer. Yes. Well, thank you. First of all, for I'm a I'm a huge cop guy. I uh, I there were some members of my family. It's interesting, Chris. My family, my mother's family, some of them were criminals and some of them were cops. And it's really it was really interesting at Thanksgiving and Christmas because everybody had to put their guns in the pantry and she'd lock the door. <laughs> it was just one of those deals. Where where were you a law enforcement officer? I was um, here in Montana. Oh, in Montana. I was a okay. deputy. And actually, I'm uh, actually running for county sheriff this season also. Oh, you are? Um, I'm, I got it back in my blood. I want to help our president drain the swamp and kind of reel in some of these federal agents that are out of control. Why, why did you have to fight off the federal government from Gary Owen, Montana? Well, it all started in 2005 and 2008. In 2005, I was raided by 21 federal agents with machine guns and sawed-off shotguns Jesus. in full riot gear who came to my town, surrounded my town in multiple vehicles, and took down my college interns who had master's degrees at gunpoint with an M16 in the back of their head. They were here for 11 hours. And the only thing on the search warrant was a military button and a suspender buckle. So this all transpired back in 2005 mm -hmm. when I wouldn't plead guilty to one of their nine felonies they were threatening me with. They told me first they wanted me to spend 83 years in prison and forfeit <laughs> my town and my collection here in Montana. And there... Um, in their eyes, what did you do that was so severe that would call for punishment like well, that? Well, actually, one of their federal agents came here and sold me a button on my property, um, and they said that I listed it on eBay with false provenance, but obviously I didn't do that. I was never indicted, and I've never been convicted of any crime. So let me just tell your listeners, I just wrote a book that's going to be released this this week called Arrow to the Heart, mm -hmm. the Custer Battlefield versus the federal government. And it's very important for people that really want to know about the, I, I hate using the word the deep state, but there is a deep state mm -hmm. and, and what these federal agents do. I 
filed an Office of Inspector General report, which is the internal police for the Bureau of Land Management, on the constitutional violations that occurred during my raids. And nothing ever happened from that 50-page report that I sent in. But a year later, I received a 58-page document from somebody inside the Bureau of Land Management. I think personally, this is an assumption, that it was a disgruntled OIG agent who gave the report to the BLM, and they did nothing with it. And so he reformatted it, he or she reformatted it, and leaked it to me. That's the foundation of my book. And the reason why the Gibson guitar raid, remember the Gibson guitar raid, guys? No. About five, six years ago, Gibson guitar was raided by the Department of the Interior Law Enforcement with machine guns over importing exotic wood from their, for their <sighs> guitars. Really? And it made national news. Actually, John Boehner, Speaker of the House, during one of Obama's speeches, gave up his seat to the president of Gibson Guitar because that's when it was happening to make a point. Why? So they were raided also by the same team I was. There's Uh something called the Lacey Act, and it has to do with importation of exotic wood from rainforests. And they were getting ebony wood from Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. And in the law of the Lacey Act, which was only created in 1988, is that the wood needs to be sanded. It needs to be worked by the exporting nation so they can make, so their laborers can, you know, be employed by working the wood before it's exported. So the Bangladeshi um, government signed off on the government paperwork that the wood was sanded and it was worked before it was shipped. But when it got to our U.S. boundaries, our Department of the Interior Law Enforcement said the wood was not sanded enough. So they ended up raiding Gibson Guitar with machine guns and seizing two pallets of wood. So there was another raid in Four Corners, Utah, where 24 homes were raided at 5.30 in the morning over Indian artifacts by the Bureau of Land Management. And we had multiple suicides that happened from that, from being harassed by Bureau of Land Management federal agents. And I'm the only one that was not indicted, charged with the crime, forfeited my property, was arrested, or committed suicide out of all of these raids. So I felt a duty to write Arrow to the Heart, Custer Battlefield versus the federal government. I felt a duty to put it all in a book so it's there in perpetuity um, because I'm the only person that can really speak out because I'm the one that was never charged or incarcerated. Keep in mind, this is the same team of BLM agents that raided Ammon Bundy. And the reason why Ammon Bundy's case Mm -hmm. was thrown out of court just three months ago is because they found the lead Bureau of Land Management agent, Dan Love, with a kill book and a suicide list. That's right. You heard kill book and a suicide list. So my website that has all these documents on it, because I know this is an outrageous story, and you might think there is some exaggeration in here, which there is not. The website is www.arrowtotheheartbook.com. Arrowtotheheartbook.com. We have all the leaked documents, the kill book, the suicide list. We have the full story on that site. So if if your listeners want to go and learn more, please visit www.arrowtotheheartbook.com. The reason I'm doing these radio shows is because President uh, Trump wants to hire thousands of more ICE and and custom and border patrol agents to keep our enemies outside the United States. The Bureau of Land Management has a budget of $1.3 billion. They should take those agents and put them on our borders to keep the enemies outside of our boundaries. I mean, we're really wasting so much money. We don't need an internal police department policing U.S. citizens. Keep in mind, that all of these raids I mentioned, nobody had a criminal background, and they were all nonviolent crime investigations. 
So why do we need a federal law enforcement coming in pointing machine guns at us? I did look up the um, Gibson thing, and yeah, a SWAT team goes into their uh, yeah. lumber lumber plant. Uh, they did have guns, and yeah, they raided the place just because they uh, believed that the wood was protected under some environmental act or something like that. Right, the Lacey Act. Seems like maybe you so, could just you know tell them to you know pay up or something. You don't have to go in and you know take it with guns, but what do I know? I mean, that's the whole point. Why isn't this handled civilly instead yeah. of criminally? Right. <laughs> and there's the, the reason of that is because the, the document that was leaked to me, it was ordered by William Woody, who is the chief of Bureau of Land Management Law Enforcement, to go out and raid high-profile people so they would get, the Bureau of Land Management would get positive publicity so they can get reappropriated in front of Congress again and get their $1.3 billion that they get every 12 months. So it's about money. Once again, this, this it's, is it's really all about, all the, about, money. It's it's all all about, about the money. It's all about the money. This this all happened because of the Patriot Act. When President Bush Sr., I mean, when, President, when George W. Um, implemented the Patriot Act right after the 911 bombings. We mm -hmm. didn't know if we were going to get invaded by other countries or right. really what was going right. on. So what he did is he quasi-militarized all of his cabinet heads. So each one of them got their own SWAT team, Department of Education, National Oceanographic, EPA. Uh, you can go right down the list. Uh, BLM. They, everybody got their own SWAT team and police department. And we're, before, we just had U.S. Marshals and FBI. But now we have like 30,000 federal agents that are armed. Where just before 911, we had like 7,500. That is amazing. You just... So they have to, they, every 12 months, they have to get their money from Congress. So they had to, Bureau of Land Management had too much money in their coffers. So they were ordered to go out and do these high-profile raids. Is that an assumption? No. I have a printed leak document from inside the federal government. That's the foundation of my book, Arrow to the Heart. Ladies and gentlemen, the book is called Arrow to the Heart, The Last Battle of the Little Bighorn, the Custer Battlefield Museum versus the federal government. Fascinating stuff, uh, Chris. Uh, stay in touch on this. I'd like to, uh, as things progress, I'd like to hear from you. That'd be wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Chris Cortlander, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show.